0: Thank you, Janet Lee. Wow, thankfulness and Thanksgiving. Yes, and I don't know how many people out there recognize all of those songs about thankfulness, but I sure did, and they were great. They were just wonderful in all your transitions. And hello out there, everybody. This is going to be an interesting time, interesting teaching. I may have to go over a little bit today. And before I get started, I want to make an announcement. And this is an important announcement. We're going to, uh, t- we're going to take a break for the month of uh, December. Uh, we're only going to have one broadcast, and that is going to be on New Year's Eve night. And uh, <coughs> the reason for this is uh, my family is moving. And we're moving from one location to another location. And we have so much to move and so much to set up. Once we, um, you know, unplug our incredible amount of electronic equipment, then the setting it up again and all of that is just, you know, Takes a lot of doing, a lot of testing, so um, we've just decided, because of the uh, huge amount of, of 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 space of work that it's going to take, that you um, know it just makes sense to to take off uh, for this month, so I can I can get my truckload of books packed, I can get my Boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of tapes, uh, it and digital and video uh, type of material. Uh, it's it's you know like I had a, a a gentleman come out and estimate what it would take to move what I got if we paid for it, and uh, he says, well. It would take six men at least a full day and it would take two trucks. So they would said two trucks and six men working at it all day just to get everything packed up to move. So if that gives you an idea and then I have to have that, you know, pre packed if I do decide to use them, if uh, if things work out so that we would be able to be that blessed, uh, to not have to move it uh, pick up load at a time, uh, <laughs> which might take us, I don't know how long, but I mean, uh, you know, uh, although I'm, uh, you know, 74 and not too far from being 75, uh, I've still got good go and get them material in me, so I'm sure I could do a lot of this moving. But we have things to move like that are pretty heavy. We've got, uh, you know, the grand piano, the uh, concert upright piano, the organ, and the electric piano, and the, uh, the the copier, which is a huge and heavy thing. Which even the mover came out, he says, "Oh, he said, that's a beast." He said. We can move it, but we really recommend that you call and get a specialist, you know, that has all the equipment to move that kind of of a piece of uh, equipment. And, uh, and then uh, the books. <laughs> oh, my. It's uh, almost unreal. But um, so if you will, during this time, if you will work on, you know, getting uh, everything set up by going back to the older tapes and getting your mind set up because here's what's going to happen on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve is going to be like three, four, or five hours. And I'm going to go back through this whole setup and I'm going to be, um, you know, teaching uh, on this whole setup so that, uh, you know, uh, everybody can, you know, really get... The whole idea of of how this uh this uh you know teaching of the uh incredible revelation of the universe goes and as it's tied in to the dragon's war against the invisible uh uh bible and i'm going to go you know back uh, I, I don't even know that in five hours <laughs> probably not probably even in five y- hours I could not recapture all the teachings but i could i could I could mesh it together. I could latticize it. I could make it, uh, you know, have a um, a fabric to it that would have a sensibility and and a hopeful understanding. Uh, that's going to be New Year's Eve, and we'll um, uh, we'll send out notices to let people know the time. If you don't hear something from us, please uh, write me. On my email, it's listed on the uh, front page of the uh, Manifestor uh, website and uh and let me know your questions and you want to know the time uh there are some different people around the country uh who I've had a chance to speak to and tell them about this and uh they've got groups that are going to be meeting on that night and and they're going to especially for for listening to that and they're sort of going to have a you know see the old world out and the new world in and uh and just tie that in to all this revelation that's going to be coming on the new year's eve uh service that we're going to have and we're just going to let go and let God have his wonderful way. So pray for us. Uh, this will be, uh, you know, a tough time. Um, why are we moving? We're moving because uh, we have to move. Uh, and the circumstances, it's complicated, but uh, the um, the price of the lease, uh just went beyond anything that is reasonable and we cannot afford to stay here uh and uh, and and be honest with you it it, the place just isn't large enough for us uh we are just like we we have to turn sideways sometimes to walk through the aisle uh where I have all my office equipment set up and and all, I've got all these file cabinets with you know all the notes and and uh it, it's it's <laughs> it's it's just incredible uh so we just we just need to move. We need, you know, to have a, a uh, you know, uh, more space. And hopefully uh, that's what we have possibly found and that we're going to be able to move into uh, and uh, that uh, without an increase in in our, our cost uh, for monthly expenses. Oh, so I cut that out. Uh, today will be interesting. We are on the, I believe, <laughs> the 22nd uh, broadcast on the, uh, the remarkable, the astounding revel- Bible revelations of the universe. And part two of the Dragon's War against the uh, Invisible Bible. And uh, this is Sunday, November the 25th, 2012. Okay. Now, uh, going back to my textual uh, setup reference on the last dragon. Uh, the last dragon, who could that be? Well, uh, Jesus described him as the last enemy uh, called death that one day he would put under his feet and, and that would be the end of the last enemy as far as the last enemy interfering with the plan and the will of the Father which was in heaven, and the Son which had been on earth, and the Holy Spirit which was everywhere. And so it's a great and wonderful time, and uh, we talked uh, in our introduction of that reference about the five strings of resonance. And we went through the different uh, parts. And we said last week that we were on um, number four. And we said that the time before. And number four is the string of the genetic dragon resonance imbued into humankind. Now, someday, someday, not immediately, uh, and I have people that are saying, oh, Jerry, don't do it. Don't tell it. Uh, there's so many controversial things about 911 and about the you know the the trade buildings that came down and especially building number 7 please don't get into that because you you and your ideas and your ways are so controversial and 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 you know and I just said to these people hey you know I know that a lot of the things that I say are controversial but that will never stop me from being controversial just for the sake of somebody that doesn't like to hear my controversial theme because I'm trying to speak by the Holy Spirit and by the by, by the Word of God. I do not claim to be perfect. I do not claim to not ever make a mistake. I do not claim to be better than anybody else, than any other human. I do not claim that the pr- the proof of my quality is all of the revelation that I've got. Uh, rather, I thank in my heart and believe in my mind that this whole thing of me having this revelation is one of the most astounding, remarkable things uh, that I've ever come to know in this universe. Because, <coughs> excuse me, there was never a time that I ever felt worthy that I ever felt I earned being able to know these things and that I ever felt better than anybody else or felt that uh, anything that I received was better than anything else that anybody else received uh, as far as it being because of some superiority that I had. Uh, I present these things. We are not starting a new church. We are not starting a new organization. We are not trying to uh, create uh, some new uh, wave that's going to sweep everybody under our umbrella or under our tent. Uh, you know what? That is not in my heart nor in my interest. Um, one time I had someone said, say to me, uh, Jerry Lee, you're, you've moved up to Canada from the States and you need to just have thousands of people Literally tens of thousands come and and just gather around you and be able to be there and listen to your things And I said oh my god, please don't pray that prayer. I said that's the last thing in the world that I need I don't need you know, I said with this this world today where we can reach out all across uh, every shore and every continent uh, People can just stay right where they're at and they can hear this word anywhere But I said, no, no, please don't get them all surrounding where I'm at. I said, I just, I need room, room to breathe, to, to breathe and to breathe. And, uh, Uh, And and so I said, yeah, I'm not looking for crowds. I'm not looking uh, uh, to be a maid, a guru. I don't want to be a guru. I I don't want to be anything but a voice crying in the wilderness uh, and just mentioning these things as God has revealed to me the best as I can relay it. And uh, praise be the name of God. I hope you understand that I really, truly, with all my heart, uh, believe and minister that to you this day. Now, uh, I want to talk just briefly in, uh, and I know I've preached on this before, but uh, in Daniel 9, you know, uh, which is cha- uh, uh, chapter 9 of Daniel, first verse, um, and uh, it talks about uh, in the year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, um, of the seed of the Medes. Which was made king over the realm of the of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I Daniel understood by the books, the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to, to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now I think what we've got is a is a lot of of, of well-meaning people out there in the Christian world. Uh, they're not bad people, they're not evil people, but they. They are trying to understand the Bible by looking through the glass darkly. They are trying to understand the Bible by just reading the outside of the cover, so to speak. So metaphorically, the outside of the cover would be the whole Bible as they are reading it, but they, when as they read it, are only seeing the 30-fold depth at the best. And so it's the glass darkly. And, and the rest of the depth, the sixty-fold and the hundred-fold, is invisible to them. They can't see it. Because the Bible says there's a veil over the Word. And, and that, that God has, has blinded the eyes, even of Christians. It's, it's Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, don't think it's not. It's Bible. And, and I've made these scriptures clear to you. And, and, uh, on the, the night, Of the last day of this year and of course there'll be some people say well that's too bad then we're going to miss this because uh, we don't expect that the earth is going to last after the 21st of December Oh, the earth is going to last and we're going to be here and uh, and if that's what you really have uh, in your your little book of things you believe uh, God have mercy on you brother and sister God have mercy on you what a miserable life profoundly re- ridiculously miserable life that you must lead uh, live uh you know uh I was born free, and uh, I will still be free uh, as the blessings of God continue in my life uh, to keep me humble, uh, to keep me thankful, uh, to keep me compassionate for the suffering peoples of the world and for the hungry people of the world, both for physical and for spiritual. Uh, But Daniel was a great guy, but he was carried away as a captive he ended up, you know, in Babylon and in and, and in Persia, and uh, he went through some some really tough things. And these uh, these fellows like uh, um, Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were no doubt, in my opinion, castrated. <coughs> they were made eunuchs, and uh, so they went through they went through lots. Uh, but you know, they were they were good boys. They were good boys uh, to the extent that that. They have the knowledge to be what they were. And Daniel uh, had studied. Uh, He even, it tells him in the first chapter, I think it is, of Daniel that he was into scientific things. Well, he understood by the books. By the books, as they were understood by other people how to read them. And there are millions and millions and millions of people out out there (coughs) who understand by the Bible as it is being taught in churches and by ministers and pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets. They understand it by that. But unfortunately, that doesn't tell you what the the real truth is. It doesn't tell you what the real truth is. So we see in the, the ninth chapter and the 21st verse, That God, understanding this, sent the the angel Gabriel while Daniel was in prayer. And he said that uh, he moved about him swiftly. It's like the moving of the Holy Ghost, you know, like a mighty rushing wind. And he touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And someone might say, whoa, that was really rude. Why would he interfere if he was really from God with the the evening oblation? (coughs) That's a divine sacrament. That should have been left alone. What's the matter with that person? Would you call him Gabriel? Well, who does he think he is interfering with the statutes of God? I I don't know that I could believe anything that he had to say if he was going to interfere with the statutes of God. So he must not be a a God angel. He must be a devil angel. And, And that's how people talk out there. But just so happens that this was a really powerful archangel. And he was a lord of hosts. And he informed me and talked with me, Daniel said. And said in verse 22, I am come forth to give you skill and understanding. Now by saying that I've come forth to give you skill and understanding is another way of saying you do not have skill in reading this word. And you do not have understanding in reading this word even though Daniel says, I understood by the books the number of the years. Gabriel repudiated that, says you do not have skill and you do not have the understanding to read this, to understand this. To you, it's just like it is to all these other rabbis and priests. It's an invisible word. It's an invisible covenant. Yes, it's an invincible Bible. You don't understand it. Why? Because you don't have the skill to it. It takes skill. You've got to know how to magnify the Lord. If you don't know how to magnify the Lord, you can't get into the revelation. Wow. We have to really understand the power of this, ladies and gentlemen. It's so important. And so Daniel came to give him skill and understanding. And in the 24th verse, he says, 70 weeks are determined upon the people. And he goes on down. I don't have time to read all this again. I've I've preached on this before. And begins to show Daniel that this revelation has, has got nothing to do with a limitation to the short time. But it involves a long time a transition of such prolonged extension that the natural eye has not been able to discern it because it just does not go along with relational ideas that people convey in trying to relate to themselves and to the, their time. And then in the 10th chapter and the 13th verse As this revelation is still speaking to him let's start with verse 12 then said he unto me fear not daniel for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before god thy words were heard and i am come for thy words now wasn't an accident that daniel was able to have these things opened up somehow he did have a sense that he didn't understand the whole equation the whole depth the whole meaning and he was praying to God and he was sincere about it and real and he was heard and in verse 13 it says but the prince of the kingdom of persia withstood me One in 20 days. Now this is a a powerful entity just talking here. That was wanting to come and help help Daniel. How could this prince be, be stopped? Well, obviously there was another prince. Now, prince is almost an abbreviation, although it has its own meaning, of principality. And that's what this whole thing is about, the principalities warring with one another. The good and the bad. And no doubt it was like when Satan, Lucifer, Satan appeared with the sons of God. Someone says, oh, how did they let him in there? What do you mean how did they, they let him in there? He, he attends on a regular basis. The Bible says that. He hasn't been cast out of heaven yet. Someone says, oh no, he fell from heaven. Jesus saw him fall as lightning. That's talking about his status. We know that he is the prince of the power of the air. Still. And the air representing, as the Bible translates it, heaven. Heaven. We know that there's a whole lot more to this than meets the eye. And he was expected to come. The question asked him is, hey, how come you're here? No, that was not the question, the Job thing. That was not the question. What have you been up to? Where have you been? He said, oh, from going hither and thither, back and forth between the earth. It wasn't about how come you're here. He attends those meetings. He still does. And the Bible says that one day this evil force called Satan will be cast out, who day and night is bringing charges against the people of God and challenging actions and things they want to do. So what was happening was Gabriel was being challenged that he was overstepping his bounds and he was breaking the equation of of fairness of the test of, of, of Lucifer Satan to be able to go through his equality of tests because he had not been judged yet in the white throne judgment and he needed the right to have equal assessment and equal opportunity and equal challenges and he was making that case And it wasn't until some of the other princes came, of the seven spirits of God came, to help him make his points, help Gabriel, him, Gabriel, make his points, that they overrode the the complaint of Lucifer, Satan. And then he came. So one of the chief princes came to help me. Wow. Another chief prince is another archangel. So it's probably a seraphim that came. Okay, now this kind of stuff is going on all the time. It's still going on. Angels are are involved in this, these are Lord of hosts. The angels are involved in this, this war. Wow! Wow! In verse chapter in chapter ten, verse twenty, then he said unto me, "Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now I will return to fight. F-g, F-I-G-H-T, fight with the prince of Persia, and when I am gone forth, lo." The prince of Grisha shall come. The prince of Grisha will come. G-R-E-C-I-A But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. So you see, this is about the scripture, and it is about Gabriel showing him what's in the scripture that Daniel could not see. That there, it, it was a glass darkly, that he could not visualize it, he could not understand that it was there. He had to be shown what was there. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael your prince. And Michael is the archangel of the seraphims. And no doubt the person that came to help make the argument against Lucifer, Satan, and overcome so that those 21 days were not extended and he could then go to Daniel and he says but the war is not over yet Lucifer Satan the Prince of Persia has not given up and he said right now he's acting as a a lord of of nationalities and when he's done with the Persians he'll move on to the Grecians and when he's done with the Grecians he'll move on to the Romans (laughs) it goes on and on, that's Bible that's the way it works wow well what is happening here is God is calling his people through this holy manifest revelation to get caught up to get caught up in the spirit into the eye of the needle realm of telestesian vision now, when you think about the, what the Scripture says about the needle, it's pretty—it's pretty profound, because it's the differentiation of people that can be saved and people that cannot be saved. It's got to do with a, a ratio, ratio, with a, a fitting and not fitting, with a conforming and not conforming. And the disciples said to Jesus, "But Lord, how shall any of the people be?" be saved that have financial prominence based on what you are saying Jesus said well with man it's not possible but with God all things are possible with God even a camel can go through a needle's eye wow so The differentiation is when you look at it from the physical human standpoint of reasoning and what seems to be rational, it seems to make absolute concrete steel girder sense to say there's no way that person can get through a needle's eye. There's no way that the camel can get through the needle's eye. The needle's eye represents a special kind of invisible environment. It ties into those scriptures that I was sharing with you and and teaching you about magnify the Lord with me. Magnify his work. Magnify the Lord, Psalms 34:3, Job 36:24 through 3, magnify his work and magnify the law and make it honorable because it's not honorable the way it is now Isaiah 40, 42 4221 wow and all the other scriptures I've given you if people want to know what those are they just need to go back into the teachings and listen to the teachings because it's all covered there in the teachings and they need they need to get in there and do a little little homework but if you're going to get caught up into this eye of, of the needle's realm, you're going to get into that magnification. And you, when you start magnifying that needle's eye so that the ratios change, you make it large enough so that even a camel can get through it. You make it extensive enough and clear enough and plain enough so that the person with the poorest sense of understanding that has ever lived on earth can understand it. (coughs) So the person that has a problem with constructing ideas and understanding the physiological structure of something is able to understand because the extinction of that needle's eye is made so advantageous and so so great of dimension that these people can come into it and they can understand. You think about it the way it is right now. Think about the needle's eye and how small that is. That sometimes you have to wet the end of a, of a thread to get the thread. To go through that needle's eye because it's so small. Now, think about a camel. And think about that some of those hairs of the camel might be too thick to go through the needle's eye. And there's thousands and thousands of hairs of the camel that won't fit through the needle's eye. Not to mention the body and the organs. And so the ratios wouldn't be, you know, a thousand to one. (laughs) It would be incredible. The numerology of it would be extensive. It would be vast. of ratio of differentiation of dimension of size between the one portion to the other portion that's going to be able to go through this needle's eye. It's going to have to... A camel's going to have to either sh- shrink down to the size of a piece of thread or the needle's eye is going to have to be magnified to a dimension that the hole of a camel can walk through. Hole, not H-O-L-E, but W-H-O-L-E. Wow. Are you hanging in there with me? Now someone says, yeah, but I know the Bible speaks of the knowledge of the Lord's going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. But that scripture has been written a long time ago. I heard you preach. I heard you preach on the age of ion. But I don't know when that's going to be. Maybe I won't even be living. What can I do to take advantage of some of this knowledge before that age of knowledge happens? Well, I've done some teachings. You can go back and expand on it. But there are ways to get around the age of entanglement. There are ways to get around the, the collapsing wave function. of the particle, there are ways to expand or close up the interstitial separation from, from one part of a wave to another part of a wave, or one part of a particle to another part of the particle. Because there are interconnecting mediums available through the Soundtron revelation in the sense of photo translation. Photo translation. we got an insight to this on the Mount of Transfiguration. And this is possible mentationally by thoughts. And I spoke in the past about two incredible experiences that could be manifest realizations for God's people. The photo translation that could imbue a person transpirationally T-R-A-N-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N-A-L-L-Y. T-R-A-N-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N-A-L-L-Y. Transpirationally. A- and this has to do with getting into the spirit of love. Because getting into the spirit of love, of course, is another way of getting into a higher act of knowing god because god is love and it also can have a a a relative sense and a carriage connecting you with love relationships that are true and 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 have a purity to them in, in individually of application and then Besides that, transpirationally um, coming that transpirationally coming into the photo translation, I taught about coming into a spiritual tree pre-transposition pre-p-r-e hyphen trans-t-r-a-n-s-position p-o-s-i-t-i-o-n transposition and that it is a power available prior to the actual transition for instance the transition when the knowledge of the Lord will cover uh, the ocean, cover the earth as the waters cover the seas that you can always have an individual opportunity to get in and have experiences preliminary to the general outpouring just like there were people in the Old Testament that have the experience of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, prior to the pouring out of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And some people say, oh no, that, that's not the teaching of the Bible. A teaching of the Bible indicates it's never poured out before. No, you are incorrect, sir, or ma'am. It had never been poured out generally before, but there is all kinds of proof, all kinds of proof Bible-wise, of it having been poured out on Mary, on Elizabeth, and on prophets of God in the Old Testament. And so um, pre-transpositionally, you can have an availability. As God begins to open up the heaven, that he compares... the kingdom of God being like a net as he begins to open up this net you begin to see all kinds of expansive potentials and dimensional wise your mind begins to be able to dwell on the height and the depth and the width blessed be the name of God and your spiritual mind energies that have been out of phase will suddenly become in phase transpositionally And that is something that you can achieve and you can have. Wow. Praise be the name of the Lord. Praise be the name of the Lord. So we're talking about spiritual coherence. Coming into a spiritual coherence. We're talking about getting the everything promised potential out of the Holy Spirit. In which case the Bible says, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth and will restore your memory. That's a promise. Now, you have the right to transpirationally and transpositionally come into that realization as we begin to teach you these things like the overtures of the mercy seat. Whereupon are the two cherubims. Where I showed you that the Bible, and you just have to go back and check it out in the teachings. I can't repeat all the scriptures every time or we would never get up the road. But I explained that the curse and the blessing have God's validation to balance out free will so that they are represented. Almost everywhere on the earth. There being those rare places on earth called holy spots that the two cannot abide together. Praise the name of God. And I showed how that the cherubims, the one on the one side and the one on the other side. And we went into the scriptures, and we showed you that the scriptures actually show that there was a difference between those two angels. And one, <coughs> one was representing the cherubim. Of course, Lucifer was a cherubim, and he had, was co-owned with many uh, high-quality angels that had, the, had reached the capability of being, being um, uh, you know lords of hosts themselves. Being archangels. And we explained how that one archangel has more power than 10,000 angels that are not archangels. And then when you are co owned with a huge number of those, so that they all have all become uh, fused with your spirit, but they still can, under certain circumstances, separate and go out on work missions like Jesus when he separated from the Father the Bible says he came out of the Father well these angels can come out of their father and, 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 and Lucifer Satan was called a father you can't be a father if you don't have children and this, his children were these, these stones of fire which were these cherubim angels Wow. And so there are these two forces and they exist. You can't deny it. They are there. And then we talked about how that there was a seat of Satan and that the word Satan, we didn't talk about this, but I want to throw it in now, that, the, that, the, that Satan basically is another way of saying adversary. And so when we think about all the different universes there have been, we have to realize and understand that there have been other adversaries that have always raised up within the ranks of those people that were in process of overcoming. Overcoming the lack of anything that they were or that they needed to be to be conscientiously aware of God. And then to live out that consciousness so that they could ultimately obtain a soul. And that within the course of those trials of of living and, and going forwards and backwards, hither and thither, that there were some that became adversaries. Like when Gog and Magog first became an adversary to the will of, <coughs> of, of God the Almighty, and then became adversaries to each other. Which then is just another way of calling them Satans. Because that's really what the word Satan means, adversary. And so were there Satans in other universes? Well, there was not the Lucifer Satan, but there were other Satans, yes, that were adversaries. So... And the idea of dragon, well, one thing we, we know about the dragon, <coughs> that the dragon is an ancient, old, ancient servant, uh, serpent called the devil and Satan. So we see by that that when, like, when something is called something. And we we talked, I think, last week about this rubber ball. And it's made to be a ball, so, you know, and and we call it a rubber ball. But if that were made uh, to be used for some other purpose, then it would be called a different name, even though it was made just like and looked just like and acted just like the rubber ball that you were using as a ball. But it was also used for a different purpose, and so therefore it was called a different name. So when an entity acts as an adversary against the forces of good, they're acting out a certain aspect that then is called a certain name. (coughs) And so the old serpent... The dragon was called the devil and Satan. Revelations twelve nine. <clears throat> and last week we went into this thing of uh, Second Chronicles eighteen through twenty two about how this lying spirit was called forth. And we showed, like in 13, thirteen two, how that the seat of Satan was found in the churches. And how that this lying spirit went forth and was was coming upon prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, so to speak, to make them believe a lie. That was in Second Chronicles eighteen, eighteen through twenty-two. Or pardon me, Second Chronicles, yeah, Second Chronicles chapter eighteen, verse eighteen through twenty-two, eight uh, verses are through through 18 through the 22nd verse. We read about Galatians uh, 3.1, about the church being bewitched. And we went through some criteria about what are God's people to do. And we showed how in Philippians that there were a lot of people out there in Paul's time, and we know they're still here in this time, preaching the Christ of contention and strife. Not to mention all the other uh, things that we mentioned in Philippians 1, uh, 15 through 20 and Philippians 2, 14. Wow. Then we got into the thing about the Gaihan people. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis about the garden that was at the, at the at the east at the east of Eden. So if Eden has an east then it has a west. Otherwise there can't be an east. And then we showed how that that the word Gihon which is one of the four rivers in Strong's Concordance, number 1512, Hebrew Dictionary, has an understanding, Gaton, G A C H O W N, meaning belly. Compare that with number 1521. So 1512 and 1521. And how that there are several scriptures and a total understanding to show how that the word belly is also can mean and does often mean womb and we went to show how that there was this war of the curse between uh between the good seed and the bad seed we found this in genesis 10 through 14, two Genesis 2, verses 10 through 14. And we showed in Revelation 17:5 how that the serpent was a woman. But you need to go back and listen to all the teachings, and how as a result of all of this that the angels of Euphrates, as we're going to get into that a little later on more as we get in uh, further up the road here with our teaching today that they are bound in the rivers euphrates read revelations 9:14 and verses uh, and uh, chapter 16 through 12 and we showed how that there was two kinds of dragons the leviathan rahab dragon and these were sea serpents of the satanic fold and then there was the, the land dragons. check out the sea dragons in Psalm 74, 15, Psalms 74:15, Psalms 89:10. And there's some incredible stuff there. As to this, this thing of the seat of Satan being described in the book of Revelations, found in some of the churches, the Nickelodeons, as I call them and Jezebel, and all those kind of wicked people, how that in Ezekiel 8, 3, reference, concordance, Hebrew, Strong's, seventy sixty eight it speaks of the seat of the image of jealousy. So in Ezekiel 8, 3, 70, 69, It takes it a little further and describes it which provoketh to jealousy. Then taking it further yet in uh, Strong's Concordance of the Hebrew, 77 from 7069, which is all connected to 7068, the original reference term, all connected. It means a rod so that this image of jealousy actually is described as a rod. We talked in the past about how that the two cherubims that are described in Genesis with a sword flaming each way every which way to keep out anyone from coming back in to the tree of life. And we showed how that, that represented two opposite forces the good force, we'll call it the bad force, Satanic, Lucifer, Satan force, and the other force, the good force. And how that, when it said every which way, that, if we had the time to go into it, we could extend it, certainly reveals that it covers both the evil and the good in that particular use of the swords moving in those directions. And how that Satan did not want people to go in there and have the availability of the tree of life. And the, the good angels did not want it. And the, re, the reasons were, were different. For the good angels, it's because they knew the people were not ready to come into that. For the, the evil angels, that was not in the plot of Satan. It was not the right timing. And so this force, this image of jealousy, image, is a rod. And this rod has the power to provoke jealousy. And this rod is a stem of an angel of light, rod of Lucifer, Satan. And it has the power, the rods can be, as it revealed that, by both the evil magicians, and Moses and Aaron to be able to be changed to in, into any different form, so it could be changed into a sword. And it literally means in 7069, Strong's Concordance, Hebrew, to erect, to create. And the where is anywhere between heaven and earth. The the hither sphere even includes the bottomless pit as described in chapter nine of Revelations that Lucifer is given Lucifer Satan is given the keys to and there he begins to create and make all kinds of manufacturing of clone entities which we never had a chance to finish yet whole teaching, but hopefully maybe we can do this on the on New Year's Eve. And it is measureless from one uttermost part to another uttermost part of, of space. Strong concordance, Hebrew 7098. And we know Provoked jealousy makes sense because in Zechariah 14 God says, I am a jealous God. Excuse me, folks. Okay. We also know that the Bible teaches that Satan is the God of this world. And we know that the Bible teaches that one day that he's going to lose his kingdom here, and in Revelations, toward the end of the <clears throat> of the chapter or of the book, it begins to show that the kingdoms of Satan become the kingdoms of God, showing that he's Satan's been in charge for a long time. Now we have this thing of seals in the Bible, and Job nine seven talks about seal sealeth up the stars. And the Bible tells us about the seven stars of the universe. Revelations 1, 13 through 20. Revelations 1, 4 through 5. Seven stars. And the revelation of what those stars mean has been sealed up. So when we talk about the invisible Bible, (laughs) we've got scripture here, ladies and gentlemen. This sealing up is another way of what's caused it to be of a nature that as you're trying to look through the glass of time, look through the glass of, of realization, that you're looking through a glass darkly. Because there's a veil. There's a seal. And it has made the Bible to have a part to it, a 30, 60, 100-fold part that is invisible. And so people that cannot see this are blind to it. And there's all kinds of scripture. I've read lots of it to you. There's a lot more in Jude 14, very ancient Enoch prophecy about the Arterians, that he's coming with tens of thousands of his saints. That's also mentioned uh, in their presentation of Job 38. Of the the Arcturians, sons of of God, and there's other interesting scriptures like Deuteronomy thirty-three two. Wow, and it's all about that which was, and that which is, and that which is to come. Which was what God told John that he was to write about. this ancient and invisible truth was sealed up and was only to be made known by the Holy Ghost, of which it says in John 14 through 26, the Holy Ghost will teach you all things and will bring to remembrance all things. And as I've described to you before, and I read you the scripture before, In Job thirty seven, seven it says he sealeth up the hand of every man. That's a birthright that every man has, but is sealed up. And in John 1 9 he says, And the light of the kingdom of God is born in every person. Every person born on earth is born with that light, the kingdom of God. John one nine. And these are rights that people have. They're birthrights, and, and they belong to you not only in this physical life, but they, they belong to you before this physical world ever was created. Dear people, I want you to be excited about these teachings. And I've had so many people say to me, I have searched and there is nothing, nothing anywhere that teaches like this. I'm not surprised at that. I'm not surprised when we show people in Psalms 19, chapter 19, and Romans 10, about the line that goeth out to all the universe, and that there is no place that this line is not. And then we expand on that line as being a part of the, of the, of the lattice, which is the net, of which Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a net and everyone has heard this at least subconsciously and it's down inside of them and they know these things even though if you ask them they would deny it Wow and so we see that in Psalms 19 and Romans 10 there is a a minor revelation in that aspect that can be expanded once the invisible Bible is opened to the energy dots, which reveal that everything that happens is recorded somewhere in the book of life. Praise be the name of God. We've talked about this different times as we talk about ancient times. We've talked about not removing the ancient landmarks. We talked about how important that that is. We talked about in Isaiah. Uh, that was in Proverbs twenty two twenty eight, and Isaiah forty four seven uh, talks about appointing the ancient people. And Isaiah forty five twenty one talks about declaring, uh, you know. From the ancient things that have happened, the former things of old, what the future things are. That's Isaiah 45:21 and Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. And throwing in with all of that is one of the most ancient scriptures in the Bible. 50 Psalms, uh, no, Isaiah 51, 9, about Rahab. And the wounding of the dragon. In the meanwhile, the Bible is says it over and over again. Jeremiah eighteen fifteen, my people have they stumbled from the ancient past. And Daniel seven 9, 13 and twenty two talks about a time, a time an age of iron when the ancients come down and they do sit on thrones. Well, transpirationally and pre-translocationally, you're going to be able to do these things ahead of time as God begins to lead you into that freedom of going through the needle's eye. The mysteries of the invisible bible the secrets the sacred unknowns the tetragrammaton the pronunciation of the name of god the parables that are to be understood by a limited group of persons for now and joel's proclamation that the knowledge of the lord will one day cover the whole world and the promise of the holy scriptures in the Gospel of John and other Gospels, that the Holy Ghost one day will lead and guide us to all understanding. And the understanding that for now we're looking through a glass darkly, but one day we will see face to face and be known as we were once known. And the scripture in revelations that the seven thunders are revealed to his servants, the prophets. And when the whole knowledge of that is concentrated in a revelation to the world, then the mysteries of God will be fulfilled. And we'll begin to understand the codes and the patterns as described in Exodus 8, 9. And how the Bible emphasized, be sure you make this according to the patterns revealed to you by God. We'll understand the keys to the mysteries of God, to the keys of David. We'll begin to understand the deep word of God, the 30, 60, 100-fold levels. And how that that applies Holy Spirit contextually. And we'll begin to relate this to the Akava, the solution to riddles, this understanding of words and the contingency that is available in these words and in the language as used contextually for interpretation. See Exodus 39, 1 through 2 as to a revelation revealed in the in the linen cloth of that whole idea. We've talked in the past about the son of perdition. He was talked about in Psalms one oh nine four through twenty. The Bible talks in Philippians one twenty eight about an evident token of perdition. Well, as we begin to get into this thing about the, the book of wars, and we, we, we get into the, the wahey, in the Sufa, which is in the Babylonian Tamud. T-A-M-U-D. We begin to understand that there is more to this thing in Numbers twenty-eight fourteen than has ever been imagined. And so let's turn to Numbers, the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. One of the five books of Moses, least most scholars are willing to go along with that. And let's look at what it says here in in chapter 21 of Numbers, verse 14. Wherefore it is said in the book of wars of the Lord what he did in the Red Sea and in the brooks of Arnon. I have for some long time had an understanding of the book of wars which I described in my letter email as the the lost book of the war wars or war of the gods But get the notion here, ladies and gentlemen, get the notion, please get the notion. That it does tell us some things here, more than what people would imagine. The book of the wars, plural, of the Lord, what he did in the Red Sea. Someone says, oh, that's telling us something, isn't it? You, You can be sure that it is. It is telling you something. And what he did in the brooks of Arnon. Well, that's telling us something too, isn't it? Yes, he is. He's telling us something. I'm going to share this with you today. God help me to have the time to do it. And remember, at the Red Sea, something happened at the Red Sea. Well, what happened at the Red Sea? Well, I'm going to share that with you. The so you know the they they were led by a very spiritual divining rod because they were they were told that they were to find this well but this well had a twofold revelation to it it had the revelation of eventually giving them water to drink but it had a revelation of a story and we want to go into the story because it's part of the of the information that was lost and these things have been made obscure now, I'm reading from the King James Bible, and I like the King James Bible. And there are a lot of other versions out there, and, and I've got probably all of them. And I appreciate some of the different versions. But I have an understanding of the King James a certain way that, that satisfies me when I read it. <clears throat> now, when they were choosing the 70 people to do the translation. of the King James Version called the A.V. Authorized Version. There was a man who was the most profound and best known man. I won't even mention his name today. Not unless God moves on me to do that. Ah, maybe I will. His name was Hugh Broughton, B-R-O-U-G-H-T-O-N. And he was considered to be one of the most advanced and probably top of the list of a persons who understood Hebrew, who understood uh, the Greek language. And in addition to that, he was trained in the Hebrew, the rabbinical texts of the Hebrew. And the culture connections. But they did not choose him to be one of the 70. And later when he was shown. The translation that was done for the King James. And he looked at it. He thought it was a horrible translation. And that it should be destroyed. Well I'm so glad that he didn't have anything to do with it. He had a problem how that the the people that did this text they sort of put it into a song. And they used different words that he would have used the exact same word whether it fit inspirationally as far as the rhythm of the text, because he w- would want to be so expediently prefixed in the definitions, not allowing any versatility. But they, like sort of using as a theosaurus sometimes, used the different words that were connected and which, in the long rambling of the Bible could show contextually how that those words were used in that sense. Therefore, they were applicable to be used in a text that had a a vibrational equivalent sequence, so to speak, in my way of interpreting. And true, some of the words that are in the King James today are antiquated because definitions have changed. Like the word terrible in the old text actually means today wonderful. So if you find a verse that says and God is terrible that word back then actually meant God is wonderful. So there are a few things like that that perhaps the New King James, if people want to sort of update, could be used. But I love the rhythm and the character. And I believe that those men, to a great extent, were chosen because they were destined to be chosen and that they were inspired to do what they did. Yes, it can still be translated because it's it's in... It's in that 20 30-fold stage, there's still the 60 and the 100-fold to bring out of it. Okay. So, in this book of the Wars, yes, you can go back to ancient Talmud things of the Babylonian, but it doesn't have the whole book that's, that's been lost. But we know that there was a song that was re- revealed at the well. And as we just got through reading to you this, tw- this 21.14 Wherefore it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord what he did at the Red Sea and the brooks of Arnon. We see that that the Lord immediately is told that um, they are to go forward And in verse 17, then Israel sang this song. Spring up, O well, sing ye unto it. The children of Israel were told to find a song. Oh, would there be a parallel to that in this day and age? A song in the night, that people would find that song in the night. There would be rhythm to it. There would be parallel to it. There would be depth to it. There would be reason to it. There would be sentimentality to it. There would be marvelous dawnings to it. And in verse 18 of chapter 21, the princes digged the well, and the nobles of the people digged. By the direction of the lawgiver, by the direction of the spirit, they were using it says they're staves, which is another term that can be interpreted as a rod. It's a special rod. Rods differed one from another. And out of that experience, there came a lot of revelation. Now, shortly thereafter, mentioning that, it mentions in verse twenty-one, and Israel sent messengers, messengers, into Sihon, king of the Amorites, saying. We see that after they were looking for that song, after they were using this divining rod to discover that song, that obviously they received a word from God and messages from God. And this message to Sihon, who the Bible describes him as a famous person, the king of the Amorites, has an important connection to the revelation of the rod. And remember, we're just past this thing of the rod in which there was all of these poisonous serpents that were biting people and they were dying as they were on this trek through the wilderness because they had been disobedient and complained and then this pole this rod is built and there's the two flavors just like the two the two cherubims you have the seraphim angel at the top with his head on the (coughs) with his foot pardon me on the head of the serpent And that just precedes this revelation. Wow. Wow. (coughs) Excuse me. All right. So let's let's look at this. Because there's there's some incredible stuff here. There's some incredible stuff here. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Someone says, how can you put all this stuff together by the Holy Spirit? And I don't have any problem using the different versions of the Bible, even the Septuagint, because the Lord and all kinds of the disciples used the Septuagint. It was was the Bible at that time. It's a Greek translation. Wow. They say that one of the interpretations for the song that they found at the well was waheb, supra, which means, in the Septuagint, using the Aramaic Targums, supra, there is love at the end. You're going to be going through all these things. You're in the the valley of the shadow of death. you're walking through the the trials and the temptations, but you're going to get through all these these things and there is love at the end and we were told in in twenty one um, in in chapter twenty one um, verse five. And the people spake against God, against Moses, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread here. There's no the water. Yes, we know. People have complaints. People aren't satisfied with the trials of overcoming but we know here in the 14th verse this is what he did at the Red Sea. Well, what did he do at the Red Sea? What did he do at the Red Sea? Well, let's real fast go to that because this is part of the book of the wars. Let's look real fast at Exodus 14. Exodus 14. Now, we're, we're reading from the book of wars, believe it or not. Exodus 14, verse 11 through 17. I don't know if I'll read it all. But let's just look and see what it says. Someone says, well, how do you know that that's got to do with it? (laughs) How do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. And because the Holy Spirit witnesses. So, in this scripture here of Exodus is so important. Chapter fourteen verse five And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made his chariots uh made his chariot and took his people with him. And he took six hundred chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt, and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with high hand. And the Egyptians pursued them, and all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army overtook them encamping by the sea. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. Now they're by the Red Sea, and in in Numbers 21 it says, Wherefore he said in the book of the wars of the Lord what he did in the Red Sea, in the Red Sea, in the Red Sea. And they said unto Moses, Were there not enough graves in Egypt? Verse 11 that thou hast taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Verse 13, we're in the book of Exodus 14. Exodus chapter 14, the book of Exodus chapter 14. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. You don't see it, so I'm telling you, you need to see it. There's an invisible Bible that you aren't reading. Let me read this invisible Bible to you. This invisible word of God to you. For them, for the Egyptians that you do see. You see the dreariness. You see the doubt. You see the, through your confusion, the fear. You can see that. But let me show you, tell you what you're not seeing. What you are not seeing is that you shall never See the Egyptians that you are looking at today again; you'll never see them again. For the Lord shall fight, f i g h t, for you, and you shall hold your peace. Wow. God said, "Stretch out your hand over the sea." What He did in the Red Sea. Someone said, "Well, it wasn't really the Red Sea. Oh, it was red enough." Well, it was just sort of big, thick grass with some water in it. Oh, that'd be interesting. That'd really be a miracle if Pharaoh and all his chariots could drown in a sea of weeds that the water wasn't any deeper than, that deeper than a couple feet. Oh, I think there's something more to it than that. <clears throat> you know, it just depends the time of year. Sometimes these little streams that don't have much water, you go and look at them at, You know, in the the summertime, you say, oh, this Bible's all wrong. How could this happen? It depends. Sometimes those little streams turn into big floods. Wow. Now what did he do in the sea? Verse 18, And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God went before the camp of Israel and removed and went went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud of darkness to them, but it gave light by night to, to Israel so that the one came not near to the other. One had night, one had light. One had not, night, one had light. The angel of God did this. That's part of the book of the, of the wars. This is told right here. That's part of what happened in the book of the wars. Someone says, oh, it's all lost. Just give up. There's no sense trying to look for it and understand it. It's lost. It's lost. We, it's lost. <laughs> There's a scripture that says that the gospel is lost. It's lost to those that don't know Christ Jesus. You get into Christ Jesus, and that which is lost gets into that area where there's the rest the restorer paths to dwell in, and which he restores the years that the cankerworm, the caterpillar, have eaten. You get restoration. And so this was in the th- this was this is the book of the wars. This is when God's angels. This is when the forces of good were fighting the forces of darkness, and this is what God did with the angels. He divided first the sky, and the sky under which, uh, under which the the Pharaoh and his chariots of six hundred chariots and captains were, <clears throat> he made it to be an utter darkness. And the sky where the children of Israel and Moses was, he made it to be an utter light. So it said, how could that be? Well, how could he divide the Red Sea so that it stood like a wall on one side and on the other side, opposite? That's how God can do things. That's the vision of the needle's eye. That's being able to go through the needle's eye, the impossibility realm for man. But all things are possible for God realm. As part of the book of the wars of the Lord. Wow. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And he, he caused it to go back by a strong wind. First he divided the sky, then he divideth the sea. And the children of Israel went across in the midst of the sea in the sea story of what it says in the book of of numbers 21 wherefore it is said in the book of the wars what he did in the red sea what he did in the red sea god wanted people to know this but you need to understand it under the title of the book of the wars because there's so much more to it and the connectedness of it all wow Verse 23, and the Egyptians pursued and went in after them. Huh, if they can do it, we can do it. If they can understand the invisible Bible, we can understand the invisible Bible. Come on, let's go. We've got chariots. We're into advanced evolution. We've got wheels. we got more than just Horse feet alone, we've got wheels. <laughs> Verse twenty-four, and it came to pass that in the in the morning watched the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud, and, and troubled the host of the Egyptians. How did he trouble them? In the Red Sea, how did he trouble them there? How did he trouble them there? And the angel took off their chariot wheels. What? What? Someone says, well, I heard preachers preach that the chariot wheels got stuck in the mud. Well, that's not the book of the the wars. That's one way of looking at it in the 30-fold. But you want to get into the 60-fold. It's more incredible than that. Here's these 600 chariots with captains. And they're, they're advanced in technology. They're advanced in evolution. And they're rolling across this dry land. And they're not worrying about the wall of waters on either side because, come on, if the Israelites could do it and Moses could do it, they could do it. They have the Pharaoh. They got the God Moses, G-O-D, small god. And we've got the god Pharaoh, they said. And there they go. And after they're all off of the dry land that's not in the Red Sea, and once they get into the Red Sea, and they're just going at it. The Bible says... that the angel of the Lord, verse 25, Exodus 14, took off their chariot wheels, that they drove them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth For them against the Egyptians. When they had that experience, their eyes were open. They were driving with incredible speed. Even centrifugal gravity should have almost kept those wheels on. But the angel of the Lord took off those wheels. And when that happened, they said, Oh my God, this is not a natural war. This is a war of the gods. The god of the Israelites is fighting for them. We got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. And the Lord said, "Now stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians and their chariots and upon the horses of their horsemen." And Moses stretched forth his hand I'm going to have to go on. I have to, there's some other parts I have to give before I close this teaching today. And it covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of, of them. And it says in verse 28, And there remained so, not so much as one of them alive. Not one person exceeded. That's the wars of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, hang and hold and listen to me. When you get into the wars of the Lord, it is the most incredible book that can ever be imagined. Did you know that the Bible says in Exodus 15.3 that the Lord is a man of war? And in Revelations 19.11, what, what it says? Let me just read that to you. In Revelation 19.11. Here, here's what it says. Wow. And I saw the heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he does make, he does judge and make war. Now, I, I have to tell you a couple other things. I cannot close this up without telling these other things. Well, the Bible predicted, Jeremiah 4 11 through 17, that watchers, now people say, well, watchers are evil. That's, that's what you say. I'm not paying attention to what you say, if that's what you say. Yes, watchers can be evil. But there's two kinds of watchers. There's the good watchers and there's the evil watchers. And that's in the Bible. Now you've got you to get over that 20-fold clump that you've got on your shoulder. You've got to knock that clump off your shoulder if you want to get into the, the 60, 100-fold visible Bible. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 4, 11 through, through 17 that he sent the watchers. These are the, the Arterians that it tells us about in the 68th chapter of Psalms. He sent the Arturians from a far country, a far country, to fight for the Israelites. Now, how did they know about things like this? Well, they had been knowing about it before because hey, this whole journey of Moses having left the um, uh, led the people out of uh, of Egypt and and going and you know up to the mountain and getting instructions from God called the law that has all kinds of stuff that was revealed. David, who the Bible says received from the spirit the pattern that was given on the mount, he received by the holy Spirit the pattern given on the mount and was able to to give Solomon a list of the weights and, and, and the kinds of articles that were to be used in, in, in this house of the Lord that was to be built. And, and and he also received information, and this is incredible, David received information from what is called the Lost Book of Wars. And it's described in the uh, a part of it, that's not all of it, in the 68th chapter, of the book of Psalms. This is from the book of the wars. And it's talking about, in 6815, the hill of God is as the hill of Bashan. The high hill as the hill of Bashan. You have to understand that that's getting all over there into the revelation that has to do with the giants. And to understand that there are still giants... After the flood, which wasn't supposed to be any other, any other human left that breathed the breath of life, that they had to have been taken off the earth as we tell it in the revelation of the book of wars. And we show how that they were taken by Satan to Nergal. And that in that word, Nergal, was the revelation of this wheel, gal. And how that they then were later taken after there was a war there and he lost being able to keep his rod of fire, they went to Saturn. But later they were brought back to the earth. And so God was sending Moses and Joshua to destroy those people because they had come back to complete their work of disintegrating the pure seed of Seth, so that there could not be human bodies purified enough to have to birth soul people again. And in the 68th chapter, it says that the revelation is revealed the chariots of God, 17th verse, are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men and the rebellious also. And the Lord God might dwell among them. In the 22nd verse, the Lord said, I will bring again from Bashan. I will bring my people again from the depths of the sea. How could David have known about an event that happened so long ago? How could he have known that? Of the 20,000 Angels, which in the Bible, these angels are called a different name than has ever been used for any angels. they are called as I use the pronunciation rather than the 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 literal spelling uh, 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 enunciation, and I call them shinons. but you can look that up yourself in. Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, 8136. And he saw this revelation, and this was all part of this trek to which God was sending he, he, these people, because where were they heading? They were heading over there <coughs> across Jordan to where, to where, where Edrei was, which was these underground subterranean city tunnels and caves where these giants lived to go and defeat them. And the and the war of the gods was happening. This was a very a war against the principalities the, and the and of evil and good. Because Satan did not want these giants. You have to understand how extensive that this is. This og, this giant, I mean, his bedstead was 14 feet long and 6 feet wide. And the Bible describes in Daniel eleven thirty-eight about how there would rise up these gods, or this god of the forces. Well, of course, that's the title that was borrowed from the author of Star Rise, pardon me, Star Star Wars, that they made the movie out of. That thing of the forces actually comes out of out of Daniel eleven thirty eight. Now, I can't stop just yet. I I just got to go on because there's some things here if, if I if I don't if I don't get it, it's incredible what we miss but that's part of the story of the of the of the wars of the lord described by 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 David and it incorporates the revelation of the Shinons, the the angels who are the are the sons of Enoch now let's look back in numbers again 21 and i i i got at least give you this and then i'll have to quit for now but we'll finish it lord welling oh it's going to be incredible on New Year's Eve night. Wherefore it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord what he did in the Red Sea, and what did he do? It says, and in the brooks of Arnon. Well, okay, let me read this to you and see what you think. And verse 15, 21. And the stream of the brooks that goeth down to the dwelling of Ar and lieth upon the border of Moab. And from thence they went to Beer that is the well where the lord spake unto moses gather the people together and i will give them water and israel sing this song now let me let me show you a translation of that in the Dewey reams bible here's how it pronou- here, here's how it translates numbers 21 15 the rocks of the torrent that's the rivers of aron of arnon rather were bowed down that they might rest in ar a capital a, ar and lie down in the border of the moabites that's the Dewey reeves bible translation and we've got here and and that brings us into the teaching of the daki to show that there's all that other information that what actually happened here the angels of god caused the land to crush down and there was a lot of people that history tells us lived in those caves and when this crushing took place these bodies of armies that were in these caves waiting to to do a surprise attack on the children of Israel were crushed in the caves, and there is a history, a Jewish history, that says that pieces of the bodies of these Amorites that were crushed came up in the spring of this well, so that the children of Israel were able to see that in this watercourse underneath the land where all this land had gone down. And, the, and, and what, does it, what does it say? The, the story of the wars that happened in the Red Sea and at the River Arnon. This was an incredible thing that happened. And Isaiah writing about it in Isaiah 15, uh, one, talks about the burden of Moab because in the night, our of Moab is laid waste and brought to silence. And if you look at Numbers twenty-one twenty-eight, and this is my close here. Twenty-one twenty-eight, And there is fire. There is a fire gone out of Heshbon. A flame from the city of Sihon. It has consumed Ar of Moab, and the lords of the high places of Aaron. It's the war of the gods. And in the 14th verse of the 21st chapter it said what he did In the red sea and in the brooks of arnon now there's more there's more on the war of the lord there's more that tells the story of how this whole thing connects to nimrod this whole thing connects to mars and saturn it's about the Arterians, it's about all these incredible things that's told in the in the book of the war of the Lord and more of it can be re brought out of the of the 20 fold 30 fold Bible and can be illuminated to you just as I showed you this little bit and I will try to get into that on that incredible night the end of this year when those that have prophesied the end of this world on the 21st of December will be found to be false there are people that are quite well known that have made predictions and I have personally spoke with them and said you know you shouldn't do that because you're going to be proven to be wrong and then you're going to lose all your followers you need to say as you understand it and they have changed their tune But they will still know on that day that they were speaking things not true and false. God bless you, dear people. We love you. God bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his Holy Spirit go before you as we continue with this revelation and as we do a conclusive type of thing on New Year's Eve of this year. We'll give you a notice. God bless you. We love you. May God heal you. Amen.